Friends, if you have a Bible, please turn with me in them to John chapter 14. Uh, we're looking at verses 13 and 14 this morning. We're in a summer series that we started last week called How to Pray. And in it, we're basically considering some of the most fundamental and foundational uh, truths of Christian prayer. And in one sense, you could consider the things we're going to cover as uh, elementary. And in one sense, they really are. Um, but all of us are enrolled in the school of prayer, and none of us will ever graduate from the school of prayer. Uh, not until we see the Lord himself face to face. And being in the school of prayer, we all have many things to learn, but not only learn, but to apply and to grow in. And so today we're looking at how to end your prayer. Last week we began with how to start your prayer, today with how to end your prayer. And if you are able, I invite you to stand with me as we read now God's word. Why do we stand? Standing is an act of worship. It shows reverence and rejoicing in God's word as we read and receive it together. John 14, beginning with verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Please be seated. Would you pray with me once more? Father in heaven, give to us listening ears and a receiving heart, that in hearing your word, we might be filled not just in our minds, but filled in our affections, and that would empower our actions. Help us to listen now to you. In Jesus' name we pray. The last week, we began the series by talking about how to start your prayer, and the exhortation was simple. You start your prayer by addressing God as Father. Abba, Father. What a great privilege it is. It's the most intimate name that you can call God. So this morning, we're talking about the other side of the prayer, and that's how to end your prayer. And again, it's another simple truth, and it'll be a simple exhortation. But how you end your prayer really begins to shape not just the outcome of your prayer, but it begins to shape the way that you pray, the content of your prayer, and the confidence with which you pray. So our simple exhortation today is this. End your sermon, or end your prayers by praying in Jesus' name. End your prayers by praying in Jesus' name. You know, once I was preaching at a retreat, and right before the evening service began, it began a thunderstorm. And it was pouring. It sounded like hammers were falling on the roof. It sounded like something out of the book of Exodus. And as the praise band was playing, there were drums and electric guitars. It was very loud. The rain was so overpowering, it was beating, drown all that out. And I started uh, getting a little um, anxious that by the time I got up to preach, I mean, could they even hear me? How loud would I have to shout? I'm already tired. My voice is shot. This microphone isn't loud enough. And so I began praying during the praise set, uh, that the Lord would cause the rain to stop and to cease. Well, the song finally ended. Uh, the host came up, introduced me, and as I was walking up to the pulpit, the rain hadn't stopped. And so in an act of last-minute desperation, I prayed, please, please, Lord, let the rain stop. In Jesus' name, I pray it. I kid you not, by the time I got to the pulpit and set my Bible down, the rain stopped. It ceased. 
I was convinced the clouds were going to part and the light was going to shine from heaven. Now, how did this happen? Was it because I prayed in Jesus's name? Was God listening to my prayers, but not choosing to answer them until he heard those magical words? And I hope you know the answer is no. Praying in Jesus's name is not some kind of incantation that unlocks heaven's doors so that your requests are automatically answered. In fact, if I can share later during that same exact sermon, toward the tail end of it, the rain began again. This time, it began to fall even worse, heavier. Now, why did that happen? Had I not prayed in Jesus's name hard enough? Maybe there was a guy in the back who was praying in Jesus' name that the sermon would end. See, friends, praying in Jesus' name is not a way for you to make whatever request you want uh, answered. It's, it's not a way to guarantee that to happen. Sometimes you go to the post office and you send something through them and they ask, do you want to purchase the next day guarantee? Praying in Jesus' name is not like that. It doesn't primarily do something to your prayers. It primarily does something to the one praying. When you pray in Jesus' name, it does something to you. It shapes you, and it shapes the prayers you bring before God. So why should you pray in Jesus' name? Well, if you want the sermon to be real short, the answer is because Jesus says so. Jesus attaches a great promise to it. He says it as we read in John 14, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And just in case you didn't quite get it, he says it again in verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And just because the disciples tend to be a little hard-headed, he says it again in John 15, verse 16, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And just in case for the really slow ones, he says it one more time in John 16, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. See, just as Jesus instructs us to pray to the Father, he instructs his followers to pray and ask in his name. Just as there is a privilege in calling on the name of Father, there is a privilege in praying in the name Jesus. That's why we do it. But what we see is that as we pray in Jesus' name, it begins to do three things to us and in us. It changes our prayers, not just the outcome. I want to highlight three things for us this morning that praying in Jesus' name does. First, it conforms your prayers to Christ's purpose. Second, it submits your prayers to God's glory. And third, it brings your prayers to the Father's ear. So we're going to take each one of those and spend some time on them. First, praying in Jesus' name conforms your prayers to Christ's purpose. Now, look with me at verse 13, where Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Now, off the bat, the promise sounds amazing. It sounds like Jesus is handing you a blank check where the amount is left empty, but he's signed his name, and you can ask whatever and cash it in, and God will give you all the desires of your heart. And we want to believe that, and some preachers may preach that to be the case. However, that's not what Jesus means. Jesus doesn't say, if you add my name to it, It's a guarantee, whatever you want, you'll get. So what exactly does it mean to pray in Jesus's name? Well, the late Donald Barnhouse explains it like this. He says, to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is to seek an endorsement of our request. 
and to bring into consideration that what we ask is consistent with the nature and purposes of our Savior. Basically, when you pray and you finish and you say, in Jesus' name, you are asking Jesus to endorse your prayer. You're asking Jesus to give you a stamp and seal of his approval. You're asking Jesus, when I go to the throne room to bring this request, will you back me up? But here's the thing. If you're going to ask the Father for something in Jesus' name, should your prayers conform to your purposes or to Jesus's? Should you seek out your agenda or Christ's? You see, if your prayers are riding on his reputation, if your prayers are being carried on his back, then you should pray your request in alignment with his cause, his agenda, not your own. Why? Well, friends, if you had the authority to pray in your own name, then you could ask God whatever you wanted. If you had the authority and the power to have the access to the ear of God on your own, then sure, ask whatever it is you desire. But you don't have that authority and that power in your name. It comes only in the name of Christ. You need his endorsement. Imagine with me for a moment that it's a Saturday you're watching some television, you hear a loud bang at the door, and from the other side, someone shouts, open up, it's Bob. How many of you would run to the door and open it? No, from the other side, you would yell, Bob who? It's Bob. Well, Bob, if you don't get off my front porch, I'll call the police. That's very different. If you're on the same couch and you hear a knock, you say, open up, it's the FBI. Why? Because Bob's name has no authority, but the name of the FBI carries some authority. You open up the door because of the authority of that name. Different, our name has no power, but Christ's name does. And so you pray in his name. And when you claim his name, your prayers must conform to his purposes. It's only fitting. Now, let's just pause and think about that for a moment, because what does that mean for your prayer life? Think about what you've prayed for. Take a quick mental inventory. Search through that mental browse history of prayer requests the past 24 hours, the past week, the past month. What are the things you're bringing before God? What are you asking and requesting from him? And how many of those things are to fulfill a personal agenda or to advance your own cause and name and reputation to make much of your own glory? Or how much of your prayers are seeking Christ and his purposes? his agenda, his kingdom to come. You remember Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 10. He says, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is his prayer? It's Christ. May your purposes be accomplished. May your will be done. Now, I do want to take a second here uh, to correct a mistaken assumption that some of us may have. And it sounds spiritual, but it's not. And it, the assumption is something like this, that um, the prayers uh, that we should bring before God, the things that we should ask that conform to his purposes, uh, those are, are generally spiritual things. And then um, material things are often selfish or fleshly or, or worldly. And, and we kind of have this um, dualistic view of prayer in our minds, don't we? The things we're asking. Um, but I think what we need to understand is praying in conformity to Christ's 
purposes isn't just a matter of what you pray, but why you pray for it. You see, it's not just what you're praying about, but the motivation, the heart, the why of your praying. So for example, if you were in a small group and you're sharing prayer requests and somebody says, I would like the Lord to grant me a deep, rich, personal prayer life. Many of you would shake your head and go, mm, that man, that woman, what a blessed spiritual person. And then if somebody else shared, could you pray that I could make a lot more money? You would automatically dismiss that as worldly or selfish or fleshly. And yet, if the why is more important than the what, we need to consider not just what the prayers are, but why they're being asked. I mean, because you could ask people, would you, would you pray that I have a deep personal prayer life? You could ask that in totally selfish ways. Maybe you want to um, feel religiously superior to others. Maybe you think that if you have a deep prayer life, then God will say yes to more of your requests. So you can pray and ask your spiritual things that are totally out of line with Christ's purposes. And on the other hand, you can ask for material things that are totally in line with Christ's purposes. You can be asking, friends, would you pray that I get this promotion at work, that I uh, get a salary um, jump? Because I'd like to be more generous in my giving to the church. I'd like to give more to missionaries that are in need or causes of justice in the world. I'd like to meet and minister to the needs of the poor around me. You see, you can ask for those material things with a heart that is in line with Christ's purposes. And the point is, don't just assume all spiritual requests are better than all material requests. Instead, when you pray for things in Christ's name, consider the why, not just the what. So ask yourself, when you bring your prayers before the Lord, would Jesus be happy to endorse this prayer? Would Jesus be okay signing on his name, co-signing this prayer request? And when you seriously begin considering Christ's purposes in your prayers, you might notice that there's a change in the things you're praying for. Some things you stop praying so much, and some other things you begin praying some more. Praying in Jesus' name conforms your prayers to Christ's purposes. Number two. Praying in Jesus' name submits your prayers to God's glory. Jesus goes on and he elaborates. He finishes by saying, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Here, Jesus reveals that his highest concern, his top and chief priority, is not to grant whatever you want, but it's to bring about that which gives the Father the most glory. This is the business Jesus is in. This is what he's about. He's going to do things that give his father glory. And therefore, to pray in Christ's name, to pray in his authority, is to submit yourself and all that you ask him to this simple criteria. Will this glorify God? Will this glorify the father? Which means praying in Jesus' name is quite a dangerous thing. Because all the requests you're bringing, when you end it and you say, this is prayed in Christ's name, you're simply submitting it to saying, God, if this glorifies you, then answer it. And if it doesn't, then ignore it. It's threatening to yourself to pray like this because it causes you to crucify your own self-interests. You know, are you okay praying like that? Are you okay submitting in this kind of way? 
Let's say you're eating dinner with a friend. You're grabbing dinner and you say to them, you know, I, I'm really craving a, a, a steak. Oh man, I could crush a ribeye tonight. But it's your birthday, so let's eat whatever you're craving. Whatever you want, we'll go there. Your desires are the most important thing. Well, let's say that your friend is a vegan. And you can make your cravings known, you can make your desires known, but as soon as you say, but we'll go wherever you want to go, let your desires be fulfilled, then guess what? You're not eating steak tonight. You are submitting your request, your desires under theirs. And when you pray in Christ's name, you are surrendering your prayers to that which would glorify God most. And in this way, we need to readjust our understanding of prayer because sometimes prayer accomplishes the very opposite of what we think prayer is meant to accomplish. Right? We tend to envision that prayer is a way to get something from God, when in reality, prayer is the way that God gets something from you. He gets glory. In this way, how do you need to re-understand prayer? Prayer isn't just about requesting things from God, but releasing things to God. Not about requesting from God, but releasing to God. Here's what I mean by that. For those who use prayer solely as a means of requesting something from God, you pray, you ask, you seek, you knock, and then you expect them to do something for you. You look to the horizon and you wait eagerly for his answer. But when you do this, you're not thinking that the answer might be something for his highest glory. You're thinking that it should be for your very good. But when you think God's top priority should be you and not himself, then when God chooses not to answer because it wouldn't glorify him, you get discouraged, don't you? You get disappointed. You give up. You lose hope. You lose faith. Why? Because you can't imagine how an answer other than yes can come from a good God. Sometimes we head down that path because we're praying, we're asking, God, if you're good, shouldn't you be giving this for us? And when he says no or wait or not yet, then we start leading down a path of more aggression. We get angry at God. Resentment settles in our heart. Bitterness takes over. Accusations begin to formulate. Why isn't he saying yes to me? And you go from why isn't he doing good to why isn't he being good? But this kind of view mistakenly thinks God answers your prayers according to your good and not his glory. That's what it means to request things from God. But what does it mean to release things to God? It means when you pray, you lay your request down at his feet. You pray, you seek, you ask, you knock. But in the end, you submit. You say, God, this is actually better in your hands than in mine. And in my hands, I will turn it into something for my cause and my purposes to advance my name, to get my agenda across, but I'm laying it into yours so that you will get the glory. You're praying, Father, help me, humble me beneath you to recognize you're God and you don't exist for me. I exist for you. I was created for your glory. I was redeemed for your glory. And so let my life and everything I ask be for your glory. Teach me contentment, not when I get what I want but when you get the glory. Friends, this is the part of prayer that's hardest to swallow. To pray that God would get the glory because it means you don't get an automatic yes from the Lord. I've shared this story before, but it's a story of a little girl who learned about prayer in Sunday school. 
And hearing about prayer, she thought, this is amazing. And so she went home, she prayed to God and asked for a new toy. The next morning she woke up, she didn't get the toy. So she prayed again and again and again. And she wasn't getting it. And then she remembered, ah, John 14, verse 13. So she prayed for a new toy and asked in Jesus' name. Well, the next morning she woke up, there was no toy. So rummaging around the attic, she finds a little statue of the Virgin Mary. She goes into her garage, grabs a shovel, heads out to the backyard, digs a hole, throws the statue in there, covers it up, comes back in their house, marches up their room, gets on her knees and says, Jesus, if you want to see your mom again, you get me a new toy. That's a silly story, isn't it? But it speaks a little bit more truth about us than we'd like. Because I don't imagine any of you really threaten God in this way when he doesn't answer your prayers, but secretly, silently, subtly in our hearts, we begin to hold something against him. It's easy to get upset at God and to try to take it out on him in subtle ways. He's not answering my prayer because, well, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to read his word. I'm giving up on it. I'm giving up on prayer. And when that's left unchecked for too long, it, it leads to hostility, accusations. You begin to doubt God. Is he even there if he's not answering my prayers? leads to denying God. He must not be there because he's answering, not answering my prayers. See, dear Christian, it's my prayer that you would learn what praying is so that the Holy Spirit can use your prayers to actually form you. Because praying, prayer is not about getting God to see things your way, but God getting you to see things his way, his purposes, his agenda, his glory. Prayer isn't about getting God to change his mind. Prayer is God changing your heart. So praying is good for you when it gets you to submit yourself to him that he might get the glory in all things. Third and last, praying in Jesus's name brings your prayers to the Father's ears. How does your prayer reach God? How does your prayer enter into heaven and get an audience with the Most High? The answer is not by the strength of your prayer. It's not by the volume of your calling out. It's not by the power of your voice. It's not by the eloquence of your words. It's not by the holiness of your life. It's not by the goodness of your works or how impressive you are in the church. The Father doesn't hear your prayers because of anything that you do. He hears your prayers because of the guarantee of Jesus Christ. If you peek one verse above our passage today in verse 12, Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the father. Jesus mentions that he's going to the father, but more technically and correctly, Jesus is going back to the father. He's returning to the father. You must remember that the reason Jesus was here on earth for the very first time was he came to do a mission, a mission of redemption. He was sent by the Father. He came from heaven to earth to make a way for sinners like you and me to have access to God, to have a reconciled relationship. This is the gospel. This is the good news. We celebrate this here at our church. It's our core value, our very first gospel centrality. And what we believe here is that Jesus came from the Father to us to live a perfect life of righteousness, that you and I could not live, but now if we believe that's credited as ours. So despite our failures, despite our flaws, when God looks at you, he considers you perfect and righteous in Jesus. 
Jesus came from the Father to us in order to die on the cross as a substitute for our sins because that's what it deserved. And yet, because he took the penalty of our death, you will never know nor taste the wrath and anger of God, but only his pleasure and delight. The good news says that Jesus came from the Father to us so that in his dying, he would rise again victoriously from the grave, conquering once for all death and sin forever. And because he lives now in a glorious resurrection, you too can eagerly await the hope that is for you. This is good news, gospel. And yet the good news doesn't end because Jesus didn't just come from the Father to bring us this good news. He went back to the Father to bring us greater news. You see, he came from heaven to earth to bring us the grace of God, but he went from earth to heaven to bring us before the face of God. And because of Christ now ascended, he brings our prayers to the Father's ears. Romans 8 verse 34 says, Christ Jesus, who is, is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Now in heaven, Christ stands to intercede for you. He pleads your case to God. He flies your prayers into heaven on his wings. And so when you pray in Christ's name, you are resting in the assurance that through him, the Father hears your every prayer. You are heard because of Christ and nothing else. If you want to get a text message across, if you want to ensure that message is delivered, it has nothing to do with how hard you smash the send button on your phone. It has nothing to do with how clear and well articulated your message is. Sending a message to another person has nothing to do with the perfection of your grammar and how error-free in spelling your message is. What ensures that your message gets delivered to where it needs to go? It's the power and the strength of your cell signal. That ensures your message gets across. In the same way, what ensures your prayers reach heaven? What assures that your requests are met with the Father's ears? It has nothing to do with how fervently and loudly you pray. It has nothing to do with how well-spoken and eloquent your language in prayer is. It has nothing to do with how good or bad of a Christian you've been that week. The sole determining factor that your prayer will reach the Father's ears is the strength of your Christ, your Savior. He gets your message to the Father. And because of him, your weakest whispers on earth will resound loud in God's throne room. Because of Christ, your groans are translated into heaven's language. There is no whimper too faint that he cannot hear, nor is there a cry too unintelligible that God does not understand. Christ, by his strong and saving name, brings them to the Father. Prayers that you utter in the shamefulness of your sin, prayers that you form in the guilt of your failure. Prayer that comes out in a mere mutter among the grief of tears. Prayer, barely articulated in the pain of anguish, all of them heard by the Father because of Christ. 
So dear friends, pray. And pray often. Pray now. Pray today. And close with this simple exhortation. Pray in the name of Jesus. And I'll say two quick things to close. Don't pray generally. Don't end your prayer saying, in his name I pray. Say Christ's name. For there is power and authority in his name. Rest in that promise, verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So pray in Jesus' name, Christ's name. Second, don't pray incorrectly saying, in your name, I pray. You pray to the Father, but you don't pray in his name. You pray to the Father on Christ's name. Be thoughtful, be intentional of what you pray because you need to make use of the gospel privileges. What are those privileges? One, you call on the name of your Abba Father, but you pray in the name of your Savior Christ. So pray in Jesus' name. Seize the privilege for his name. The name of Christ is beautiful and wonderful and powerful. Would you bow your heads with me?